Hello and welcome to Potential Unlocked, a Stacked Coaching Podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Bob Pierce of Black Swan Creations. Today's episode is a special episode dedicated to redemption and a story on how he has used adversity to unlock his potential. If you're interested in checking out some of his creations, go to Black Swan Woodworking on Instagram. If you're interested in nutrition coaching or fitness, check out www.stackcoaching.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. What's going on? This is Potential Unlocked. Um, I have with me an old friend of mine. Yes. Uh, we used to work together at Roof Fitness, um, Bob Pierce. Uh, Bob now is an expert craftsman with woodworking. Um, call expert. <laughs> Bob owns, uh, what is it, Black Swan Woodwork? Creation. Creations. That's even better. Um, Bob, can you tell everybody exactly what you do? Well, hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, Bob Pierce here. Um, I build what people want me to build. Yeah. That's basically it. I started working with a uh, interior decorator designer. Mm-hmm. A client wants something built, piece of furniture, built-in shelves, whatever it is. Yeah. She basically just sends me a picture and says, this is what I want, and I have to figure out the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it like isn't, it. yeah, it, it's perfect for me because it allows me to express myself. Well, I was going to say, now, I've known you for a while. Um, you and I are similar in a lot of ways, and I don't know. I mean, people might know this about me. They don't know it about you. Well, if they don't know you, but we're very artistic mm-hmm. and we kind of have that left brain action yeah, going the on. The need to create. The need to create. Um, yeah, it's something I love doing. Bob, you're also a musician. I have musical Dabbled. instruments. <laughs> I have musical instruments. <laughs> we, we were just talking about this. Tell, so you were saying what about how like... You see someone playing music. Oh, yeah. One of my big character defects is that that uh, I even spoke with my pastor recently about it and the music director at our yeah. church that if I see somebody playing a guitar, well, I want to play guitar. Right. If I see somebody playing a piano, well, I want to play piano. If, if I see somebody doing CrossFit, I want to do CrossFit. Yeah. If I see somebody driving a, a fast car, I want to drive the fast car, yeah. you know? And um, it's funny because I have to look at my motivation in my check my ego is why do I want to do that? And I was talking to my wife about it this weekend is a lot of times it's not a, now it's not an ego thing. Now it's, I want to learn. It's a constant drive to learn, to do something new. So that's, yeah, I had that, I had that talk with my, my therapist actually about, um, or life coach about why I put videos of me playing the piano on Mm -hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. And he asked what my intention was for that, mm-hmm. right? Is it your intention to get likes and receive validation? Or is it yeah. your intention to entertain the world? Right. And I had to think long and hard about that because I, like, I'm a little shy about it. I don't know if people know that. I'm a little shy about playing the piano for people because, you know, I graduated with a music degree um, and I know how amazing piano players are out there that right. no one knows about. Like right. just people just walking around here down the street and they have this unbelievable talent. Um, and I know what I do. <laughs> right, right, right. That's that's like me. Um, I also work with a band on the weekend and um, I kind of guitar tech a little bit for one yeah. of the guys. And I'll get up there and play, you know, I, I love blues. That's what I like to play, blues music. And I'll pink, pink, pink at it and then hand him the guitar and he just, just right. rails on it. I go, hey, I'm stupid. I should have <laughs> never done that. <laughs> but mostly I play for myself at my house just to get out of my head. Yeah, I love that. You know, I grab my acoustic, I'll go sit on the couch, or I'll pull up a YouTube channel that's got a backing track that's four guitar, and it's blues, and I just play along with that. If I mess up, so what? I'm not a professional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I started, I really got back into playing the piano um, after my separation. And 
the interesting thing is I would just sit down and play for hours, mm -hmm. hours. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, I think I'm going to record it and put it on Instagram. But the reason I did it, and I had to think long and hard about this because I constantly like want to check myself now. Yeah. Always, right? Like what is my motivation for doing what I want to do? Motivation's a big word. Yeah. And I just wanted to put a smile on someone's face mm -hmm. if they came across a video. Yep. That's it. I like watching them. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> and that's kind of like what it became. Like yeah. I wasn't, you know, um, I wasn't checking to see who liked it, who didn't like it. Like I didn't care about that. Like I just, if you came across it and it made you smile, like great. I mean, because there was, I had a friend of mine who, um, he graduated with me at LSU in music. He's an amazing musician. But before every football season, he would sit down at the piano and play like all the LSU school songs on the piano and sing with them and do like different variations and arrangements of it. And I just love it. Or I got right. another friend of mine who played on the LSU drum line with me. Um, and he, I believe he's a realtor or he might own his own brokerage. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He does stuff with real estate, right? <laughs> but he will put on like a click track mm -hmm. and play the drums for people with uh, like, 311 and right. Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that. Right. A lot of YouTube channels are doing that. Yeah, and I just, I'm mesmerized by it. Right. I watch every, every time he puts a video out, I watch it. Shout out to David Modafari out there. Um, okay. I watch every single video. He's not looking for anything. He just, right. it entertains me and that's kind of what I want to do. Um, now, I do expect to see you at some point in time in some kind of an Elton John costume up there doing it with some glasses so and, some, and some feathers. And then maybe a little Liberace, you know, I've been working. So <laughs> knowing your personality. Yeah, well, so it's funny you say that because like I, uh, I get all my music. There's a website called Cheat Music Direct. And mm -hmm. I just, it's like mm -hmm. four bucks a song. Yep. Like I have all these songs downloaded. Um, and I was tooling around and I found my old like Elton John songbook mm -hmm. from high school that I bought. Uh, and I just started going to town on some songs. And right. now like it's, it's been kind of liberating because I feel like we're in an age of music where they're taking a lot of older songs and people, I mean, people have always done this, but they're right. making their own arrangement of that music, mm -hmm. right? Um, and some of them sound great. It's just numbers. Right. Some of them sound great, you know? Uh, and so I find myself now doing that. And right. like it, I'm making my own version of your song by right. Elton John, or I guess that's why they call it the blues. And I might slow it down, make it a little bit more ballad, speed it up, something like that, a little bit more expressive. Uh, but it's been super, super enjoyable. Right. Um, I don't know how we got into talking to this, but yeah, yeah. So artsy. Yeah, artsy. 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 Yeah, right? that's right. So I guess you go to part of the the tagline, I guess is what you call it. I have no idea. That's what I call it. But it's Black Swan Creation mm -hmm. Artisan Woodworking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that feeds right into, as I, I hate this term, the segue right into the art, you know, artsy yeah. part of the Black Swan is because it does, um, I could show you pictures of what they send me and then I just put my spin on it. Yeah. Like this big, this last big piece that I made was an antique furniture. And they just sent me a picture of it and say, said, make that. Wow. So I made it. And then my cousin, who uh, does um, Risha Estrada uh, designs, and uh, she come along and paints it. It's layers and layers and layers of paint. And what's funny is I was making it all perfect and smooth. I didn't know what she was going to do to it. And when she came over to look at it, about three-quarters of the way through, she's got, stop doing all that. I mean, I was filling in holes, making it perfect. She goes, mm -hmm. no, I'm going to smear caulk all over it and right. different paint just to give it a texture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it's our own expression of what we're doing. As I used to be a, uh, I used to cook. I used to cook for Emerald. And I always thought about that. You know, that was an art. That was a piece of art that we're making. The problem was it was destroyed later on. This is something, unless there's a fire, they throw it away. This is going to last forever. You know, and that's what I, I enjoy. That that piece is going to be in there, and people are going to look at it, and uh, they're going to go, wow, I like that, or they're going to go, I hate it. Who knows? It's funny you said that about food and now about your furniture, um, because I, I, I write all the workouts here at Rue, um, and, uh, and I have for a while, and I probably put way more effort into it and thought than I need to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and... A friend of mine, she said, 
why don't you just recycle some workouts? No one would know. And right. I said, I mean, and which is good. Like I want to have a couple years worth of workouts. And I mean, you can recycle if they're good, you should, right? Right. right. You got to repeat them. Um, but writing programming for the gym is how I express myself mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, it's art. And actually she said that. She goes, I think you do this for the art. Mm-hmm. Not for possible. money right. or for, you know, another reason. And I do. I, I like to put an artful touch on all of the programming. Well, it, really deep dive into this real quick Yeah, is the fact that if you think about it, you really are. Because what we were taught a long time ago was our job as, as trainers, as coaches, was to sculpt that person, to create in them exactly what they want to be created. So that line, that programming is just that very part. It's like for me, um, I use a program on my computer, and um, I draw it out mm-hmm. three-dimensionally, and it's got everything. And that, in my head, that's kind of like what you're talking about programming for those people. You're, you're three-dimensionally creating this program so that you can see person A or person B and go, okay, we're starting from this piece of a rock and we're going to chip away here and chip away there so that it, it, it creates what that person wants to be. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I love that. And I talk about that a lot with, in terms of our, our gym um, and our, our new, you know, stacked with our nutrition coaching company is, is all already, we're trying to shape someone's life, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. change their life. I, I, don't like to call it a diet or a diet plan. It is not. I want to change someone's life. I do not want you to be, you know, reach your goal in, thir- you know, 90 days and be like, okay, I'm cool. I'm done. You're right. not done. Go back to eating yeah, peanut butter sandwiches and chips. Right. Like we need to change, you know, how you think yeah. about food right. for the long haul. Um, and I've thought about that, like a lot of times, like what do I want when someone walks through my gym door? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and there's there's a lot of different reasons someone walks through the gym door. They they want to walk through the gym door because, you know, maybe they want to lose weight. Uh, maybe they want to just de-stress because they have a really stressful job or their their home life is chaotic. And right. They, they, you know, they need some to think less. Um, but there's a multitude of reasons, and each person's reason is different. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've been working on with our coaches is to find out, I mean, you can do it in an interview when someone walks in, but like, it's hard for every coach to know. It's hard for them to remember. It's hard to keep track of all that stuff. But like, I want everyone to dig to find out every person's why so that we can not only transform their body, but transform their mind. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I think that's whenever I was with you here. At, at Rue, and that's one of the things that we talked about a lot is finding out. I'm good at digging people. Yeah. Right? Digging out. My wife always laughs. She goes, how did you find out all that information about that person? I said, I just right. asked. <laughs> you know, most people want to talk about themselves. Right. You know, so you just find out of what what it is they want. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, you know, why, when people want to know why do they come to this gym or why do they go to the gym, like a lot of gyms, and... <laughs> You know, I used to say things like, oh, our gym's great because we have good community, or our gym's great because we have good coaching or good programming. All that's bullshit mm-hmm. because there's a lot of gyms that have good community. There are a lot of gyms that have good coaching. There's right. excellent coaches all over the place, okay? Um, and quite honestly, the programming doesn't matter that much <laughs> if, you're, if your nutrition is on point. Now, like, whether it's fun and it appeals to you, right. those things are different, right? And that's all judgmental. It's all judgmental. It's completely judgmental, but, you know. They, there's a lot of boring stuff we can do that'll get the job done. Exactly. You know? It's um, not always sexy. So it's like, why would someone come here or pay me more money than another gym? Yeah. You know? And I think it's to be seen. Yeah. You know? It's very possible. To be seen, to to grow. Um, and I really, you know, just like the the podcast called Potential Unlocked is I want to either maximize someone's potential or un- unlock their potential. Right. Um, and whatever their why might be. Mm-hmm. And that why might change over time. Um, so to get back to it, where did this all start for you? <laughs> um, 
so back in Katrina, yeah, that far back, uh, my church took on five holes in the roof and we completely gutted it. And uh, we actually started a business. The church started a business to help other churches. And uh, I got assigned to work with a gentleman by the name of Jerome Bourne, who is a, um, a preacher that he is a master carpenter. Mm-hmm. And I spent nine months with him, assisting him, doing something I'd never done before. And, you know, when you, when you bless a man of God, it, it comes back. You don't always know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about it then Yeah, at that point. I, like, I was talking about that with my pastor last week. Where did this all come from? And we went we back to all the way to Katrina. Now, I hadn't done any woodworking since then. It's interesting because it, to me, like I saw, I saw you all of a sudden creating yeah. these, you know, it started out really with cutting boards. Cutting boards. because Cutting boards. And well, I was like, where did this come from? Right. So it this part of the journey started from my wife saying, hey, can you put some board and batten in my daughter's room? I said, sure. It's, it's, it's cutting wood and sticking it on the wall. I did that. Then she wanted one in her bedroom. So I got a little more ornate with that one. Mm-hmm. Then her cousin, who's a designer, decorator, says, hey, can you do that in my house? I said, sure. And then she put that on social media. And it was, it grew since then. Wow. And what I did was I would make cutting boards to pay for tools. And then the next job that had come along, I'd buy another tool. And then it just kept going and kept going. And that's still what I'm doing. I'm still buying equipment. I'll take the money I make and reinvest it back into it. Yeah. There's a, a book that I read a long time ago called The Richest Man in Babylon. It is a financial book taught in story form. I recommend that to everybody. And what uh, there's a formula that they use is um, 10% uh, charity. Mm-hmm. 10% save, 10% just blow it. Get it out of your system. Just bl- whatever you want. 30% you reinvest, and 40% you live on. Now, I don't live by those <laughs> rules, <laughs> but I know them. <laughs> right. So I, I started thinking I need to reinvest my money, and that's what I did. Um, and it just started. It, God blessed it. Uh, because I was given 10% of it back into charity, back into my church, and uh, you can't outgive God, so he just kept going with it. Was your, like, working on that roof after Katrina, was that with the uh, carpentry stuff, was that your first exposure yeah. to this? Yeah, so we built, we didn't do the roof, we built the furniture. Okay, but that was your first exposure? Very like, first exposure. Growing up, you didn't see any of this? No, or, you no, know. no, we worked on cars and... Things like that. We never built anything. Never. Yeah. That I can remember. I was good at tearing things up. I was bad about putting it back together again. <laughs> <laughs> so what? All right. So you finished doing that. Yeah. And then how did you get into cooking? Um, that's a funny story, because, uh, you know, I was a lazy bad boy when I was. Mm-hmm. 18 years old, 19 years old, and I had to look for a job. Out in North Louisiana? No, actually right here on the, on the, oh, West, okay. on, right. on the West Bank. I'm not from the West Bank. I live on the West Bank. Don't hold that against me. You live there long enough to be from there. So, <laughs> so um, I was being lazy. wasn't working. And uh, uh, a job came up at Cuco's Restaurant. I don't remember Cuco's over on Vets? No, on the oh, West Bank. One on the West yes, Bank? Bank? Okay. And I started waiting tables there. And Cuckoo's had the best chips. Yeah. And one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I go work at Commander's Palace. In the we went from Cuckoo's. Yeah, Cuckoo's. Cuckoo's, a Mexican restaurant, to, to Commander's <laughs> Palace. Right. Okay. Um, I, hey, man, when I do things, I do it big. <laughs> you know, and, and what did we talk about before the podcast? Whatever I do, I do with all my might. I love it. You know, um, it, it, so I went from there, front of the house. Took on another job. Can't remember what it was. I did work at Louis Cafe in uh, LSU. Oh, yeah, from that's biscuits and gravy. Eleven at night till seven in the morning. Two thousand calorie breakfast. I have seen some sights. Let's just put it that way. 
And then I got an opportunity to uh, work for Emeril Lagasse in one of his restaurants. And, you know, I did that for him for 12 years. Was was the, like, biggest thing that you took with you from that time with Emeril? Um, well, there was, a, uh, there was a sous chef that always told me that, uh, for one thing, was sense of urgency. Always do what's right, sense of urgency. Um, which sometimes can get in the way, you know. Yeah. But another thing was is you have a list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Do the thing you hate to do first. Right. And then you'll end up doing what you like to do. You know, I think that's a big life lesson is, you know, sometimes you got to do the things you hate to do. My son, uh, shout out to my buddy Micah, uh, finished his first year at UNO for engineering. And he was struggling in his mind about a few things because it was getting hard. Yeah. And I said, well, son, you got to, life is hard. Micah crushed high school, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we homeschooled, so right. they always crush homeschool. But, but like, yeah, he, he did, did well. well. He did really well. And so I, I was teaching him that life is hard, man. You can't run from hard stuff. Just get the hard stuff over with. And then you can be happy. My uh, uh, very rich fella, uh, wealthy fella, told me a long time ago, um, you know, if you work hard when you're young, you can play when you get older. And he said that a lot of his friends were his age were now having to work hard because they played a lot. And I fall into that category. I played when I was a kid, when I was young. My 20s was all about partying. Mm-hmm. That's all it was about. So I teach my kids, hey, you know, I'm 54 years old and I'm starting a new career, right? But I, I've the Bible teaches you to, to have multiple streams of income. So as of right now, I've got four different streams of income. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what, like, how did you know you didn't want to stay with cooking? I lost it. I lost it. I lost the love for it. I hated being there. I hated it. Why? Um, at that time, I was in a different spot in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't have the passion for it anymore. Um, it just wasn't fun. It was the same old thing. I felt like I was just dealing with stupid people a lot. Yeah, me being judgmental, yeah. right? So it's kind of the mirror image. What you don't like about somebody else is what you don't like about yourself. And uh, I find uh, that all the time. Yeah, if we're judging other people. We're, oh. we're judging ourselves. Oh my gosh, it's it's. In this part of my journey, I'm learning to not judge people. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. You want to learn if you're judgmental? Just go take a drive. And this person's flying by, and you're like. I can't believe that person's flying by. But you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. Right. I mean, somebody might be dying that they're trying to get to. How many times have we flown by a car? Oh, my gosh, all the yeah, time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I shared that with some folks at, at my church not too long ago, um, that if you want to know if you're judgmental, just go for a ride. Yeah. Go stand in line at a grocery store. And I want to get to the point to where I'm not even thinking, was I judgmental or not? Right. I just, I want to be that guy that people go, man, he's not judgmental at all. So that maybe it would spark something in them yeah. to not be so judgmental. Yeah. Wow. We went off a deep one on that one. That's all um, right. Um, it, it, but I think once you lose your passion for something, can you get it back? Absolutely. 100%. But there's no... I'm 54 years old. In order to make money in the restaurant business, you got to be on top. Yeah. And and I passed up a lot of opportunities to be on top. Kind of glad I did. It's a dog eat dog world uh, out there. And there's no here in New Orleans. You can't you can't make money cooking. Yeah. You just can't. You yeah. Know? And so, you know, you you kind of you you sell insurance. You still do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that's some great passion of yours. It's not a great passion. Right? It's just what a multiple stream of income. It, multiple streams of income. Um, it was it. it uh, uh, if you want to make a lot of money, you have to work hard at it. You coach fitness for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you hurt your back. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, that was miserable. I mean, that was one of the most painful things. Not only painful physically, but painful mentally, because I loved coaching and I loved working out. I love the style of working out that I did. Bob uh, was 50 and competing with 25 year olds. Just for the, <laughs> I want everybody to know that. Like, Bob is a legit athlete. Zay, uh, thank you. Um, what was the question? 
I forgot. They hurt your back. Oh, yeah, hurt my back. So what's funny is it's right after COVID shut everything down, the gym and our gym, yeah. I started running. No big deal, right? Crossfitters don't run, though. But I was running three miles a day. And I had a, almost a full gym in my garage. I just Yeah, you did everything. I still have everything. In fact, now I have more. Right. But I just started running. And one night, it was a Sunday night, I can remember it, I just woke up screaming. It was the most painful thing. My left leg, I, my back was hurting. I couldn't. Uh, um, I don't drink or do drugs, but I would. I probably would have bought, drank a bottle of whiskey and, and and anything just to take the pain away. Yeah. Um, I've never cried like that in my entire life. Uh, and so I called up a friend of mine who's a physical therapist, and I said what's going on here? You know, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I started running. And um, he goes, well, Bob, let me ask you this question. How much was you running before? None. I said, none, 800 none. meters at a time, yeah, yeah, 400 yeah. meters at a time. Right. He goes, well, how much are you running now? I said, three miles a day. He said, who do you think you are? He said, you're 50-something years old. Who do you think you are? You're going to start running. But because I do everything hard, <laughs> I yeah. don't do anything easy. You know, uh, I think about that Tina Turner song, <laughs> you know, we uh, don't do I just don't do anything easy. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, so um, that put a squash on all my workouts. I was done. I couldn't do anything. I lost, they call it what, foot drop. So shortly after that, it was funny as me and my wife was jogging. Mm-hmm. And I was jogging. You got a hard ass head. Yeah. And I was jogging in front of my wife, my wife, because I wasn't going to let her in front of me. Of course. Always competing. And she said, Bob, what left, what leg was hurting you? I said, my left one. She goes, I can tell. She goes, your butt's sagging. <laughs> I just, I lost all uh, muscle on that left side. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got worse after that to where I couldn't even use it. It looked like it was a limp noodle walking. Right. Took about six weeks for it to get over. And I still suffer with it today. Still. Yeah. It's uh the strength is coming back a little bit, but I'm not squatting like we used to. Right. In fact, I don't squat at all. Yeah. Uh I'll do air squats and I might do a thirty five pound kettlebell squat, but that's it. Do you deadlift? I deadlift for the first time this week. 135 pounds. 15. Conventional sumo, raise the floor, or what? Um, I would say it was more of a conventional, mm-hmm. a little bit more straight leg. Yeah. Right? Um, you know me, I'm a stickler for form. Right. Um, but I did I did a, cu- a triplet, uh, three rounds, and five of those, and that's all I did, 15. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. Old me? You know old man. Yeah, you would have pushed it, man. I would have pushed it. I would have, have, have jumped to 225 and tried to do 325 and watch Joe Green doing 500-something pounds. And Joe I'm Green. like... Joe Green's insane. Yeah. Um, He's not human. So I, I guess where I want to go is what spurred this passion for woodworking? I mean, you had a tough life. Like, I, you know, I, I know Bob better than most, and Bob had... A, a really difficult life or, or yeah. journey to this journey. standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get let's get way back. Yeah. Well, let's just go back a couple of years. I um, um, I quit drinking when I was twenty five or twenty six. Mm-hmm. No drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Went to rehab. Yeah. Seven weeks on a two week program. I don't do anything easy. I do it all hard. Right. Um, and. I'll try to go down this without getting too emotional. Um, and while I was working here at Rue, uh, not back this up, not because of Rue. Right, right, I don't right. want it to sound no, no, like no. that. While you were here, while right I was time. here, yeah. uh, I backslid and went back into drinking. Yeah, and uh, it got worse and worse, and nobody knew. Right, nobody knew it got as bad as it was. I mean, you talked to me a couple times about it. My wife had no idea. You know, I could that, tell something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I was worried. When the point got to worse, when I was in the top 1% in my age group, CrossFit. Yeah, for, CrossFit, yeah. Doing really well, and the next year just fell apart. Yeah. 
that's when I realized there was an issue. Mm-hmm. But because of, of the illness of alcoholism, um, that's a tough one to overcome. It just is. You, you live in denial because you can always overcome it. Um, and one of the best things that happened, y'all, was uh, Bradley fired me. Uh, it's my fault, 100%. And right. that's, I really believe that's a part that saved my life. I remember it was you, a, it uh, was an eye opening situation for me uh, that I got fired. My wife said I've had enough. That's uh, you know either do something or you got to go. Yeah. And sometimes you got to lose some things, you know. And losing isn't always bad. Did I hate losing the CrossFit gym? Yeah, because I loved working here. I loved doing what I was doing. You and I stayed friends. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? I, I I took full responsibility. It was my fault. Yeah, it, it I, I'm fam- stupidity on my end. I'm familiar with loss in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like, um, also, we're young. You're you, young. You're young too. Stop. <laughs> you're young too. But uh, but like, you you can lose and then gain because of it. Absolutely. And I feel like you know Heather, Bob's wife. Um, she texted me, I want to say six months after. Was, mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget. It was either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I can't recall. Um, and I think she said, Bob's six months sober today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gave me a little bit of credit. I don't want to take any credit because um, I'm just trying to be a friend mm-hmm. and, and look out for you. Uh, but I'll never forget how I felt that day. Mm-hmm. It was miserable. But how I felt... <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. When she texted me because uh, it's I got in this business to help people. Mm-hmm. And for some odd way, like or not odd, but it wasn't through fitness, it wasn't through nutrition, but mm-hmm. I was able to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um God, that felt so gratifying. I mean it was it sucked. Right. But it felt, yep. it felt pretty gratifying. Um, I'm thankful for that text message, yeah. for sure. Yeah, she's uh, Heather's quite an amazing lady. It's uh, I give her, a, you know, she never threw me under the bus. She never talked to anybody about it mm-hmm. in a negative way. Uh, I, I feel sorry for her because she didn't have anybody to talk to. Right. But she never threw me under the bus. Plenty of times she should have. Plenty yeah. of times she should have pack, sent myself packing. Because I was doing, I'm just, uh, I don't want to get into war stories, yeah, yeah. but, but no. it's, it's, it, she deserves a lot of respect for that. And I try to give it to her, you know, um, we definitely believe till death do us part. Sometimes you you're know? granted a new opportunity in yeah. life to reset. <laughs> so what did you and I talk about before, you know, uh, uh Psalms, uh, 23 does make a reference to that, uh, uh, uh Surely mercies, the mercy and goodness of God follows you all the days of your life. Um, it's hard to see the good in some things in front of us. Yeah. But when we, ha- when we have the ability to look in the past and go, wow, if this hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. If that wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. You have to, uh, there's a Chinese proverb or teaching that says that a wise man is not afraid to climb a mountain that he's climbed already. So... Uh, um, I've climbed that mountain, and I it wasn't easy. I hated it. Mm-hmm. It's like ripping your heart out, you know, and looking at it in your hand. Uh, um, I have went through a twelve step program. Um, I believe God used that to save my life. He it gives me a whole new perspective. I think everybody should go through a twelve step program, hundred percent. Whether you have alcohol problems, drug problems, whatever. Everybody, because what it does is it reveals to you who you are, and we don't want to look at that. Yeah, my uh, a friend of mine, um, he's been in AA for seven years, mm-hmm. and uh, I was, I was, he was talking to me about the amends process, right, and like all these categories for it and stuff like that. Um, and I, I mean, it boils down to owning your shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're not placing blame on anyone else. Like, you're owning your shit. Uh, I hated coming here and talking to you about it. Right. And that was so miserable. I, I think about, like, um, 
you know, my life over the past year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I went through a lot of stuff where I wanted to blame other people. And then all of a sudden, like I was, I started owning Mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. And you move on way quicker. Right. Once you start doing that. One of the things that I like that you learn and you grow. Right. Right. Uh, You know, there's, it take pain is a motivator, as we say. Pain is a motivator. Uh, 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 if you have a knee replacement, that's probably one of the most, it's not the necessarily the surgery, it's the rehab afterwards. That's the most painful, the stretching and the moving and everything. But eventually, one day you wake up and go, oh, I can walk again. So when you go through one of these programs, um, so on Monday nights at my church, I teach a, um, a uh, recovery ministry. Mm-hmm. We kind of combined a the 12-step program and then an eight-step Christian-based program. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, we have no alcoholics, no drug addicts there. It's all people that deal with fear, control, Oof. other alcohol, you know, in their life, yeah, things like that. And um, it's amazing what it does. You know, unlocking the potential, like you, you, you're talking about here, is I want to see, just like when we were coaching together here, I want to see people grow. I want to see them get beyond a stagnant life. I want to see them uh, uh, grow from fear to faith, you know, uh, um, and God's given me that opportunity. You know, my old pastor said, you, you know, you can't even give somebody a cold unless you have one. So without that experience, how can I help somebody? Yeah. You know, so instead of me whining and complaining that I was an alcoholic, oh, whining and complaining because this happened in my life and, you know, Bradley fired me and, and all this kind of stuff. As you said, owning it, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to go help somebody else. Because the, the best way to get out of your own head is to go help somebody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Going back to like why we do things, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you and I, we're a lot alike, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say in our past, we operated or did a lot of things based on ego. Ego. You know? Um, Let go of my and ego. And like even opening up the gym, mm-hmm. ego. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, posting a workout on Instagram, ego. Trying to beat someone, ego. You know, like whatever, right? right? Why do we post pictures of ourselves post-workout or yeah. during a workout or yeah. video? Well, look yeah. at me. Right, right. You know. Um, and there are super successful people out there, super successful people out there uh, that are still driven by ego. It, it, but I don't think you can fully unlock all of your potential if that's the number one reason why you were. I, I don't think ego is completely bad. No, you I You have I, to I have don't. an ego. I, I, you absolutely do. It's can you be humble and and well, what's and your motivating that. factor? Right. What's your motivating factor? That's right. And humility has to come first. You have to be humble. Once you realize that, in my way of looking at it, once I realize that I'm not God because I thought I was God, mm-hmm. I was trying to play God with my life and other people's lives. Once I realized that I'm not God, I had so much peace. Because now I don't have to control Bradley. I don't need to tell Bradley, well, look, you know, you're not doing this right. Let's do this something different. I thought I was the smartest person in every room I ever walked into. How dumb is that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I think one of the things that we learn and we've heard older people talk about, the more you realize you don't know, the smarter you'll be. Yeah. You know, as you get older, you realize you just don't know anything. I'm just stupid. Right. You know, and, and, um, God allowed me to go down that path because I think he had more work for me. There's more stuff out there for me. And um, one of my, like my sponsor keeps, he's always, when I got an issue, it's like, okay, what's the motivation? Yeah. What's the mo- Even my pastor, last week I spent a whole day with him and I was talking, what well, we said, I want to play guitar, I want to play piano, I want to preach, I want to do this, I want to help people do this. I want. Okay, what's the motivation? If your motivation is right, then the ego will allow you to move that way, Right? Um, then God can use you. But if you're trying to play God, God steps back and goes, go ahead. I was a terrible God. I was horrible at it. Yeah. I couldn't create anything. All I knew how to do was destroy. And, and God gave me 
another chance. You hear people say, well, God's a God of a second chance. No, he's a God of another chance. You know, it, it's you can mess up, and if your heart's right, you just look at King David in the Old Testament. He messed up a lot. He was a bloody man. He loved to fight. He loved to fight and cheat. But because he could repent and turn his heart back to God, I mean, look where he ended up. He ended up the king. Yeah. And even when he was a king, he was terrible. But, you know, that's, that's the way I look. I, I have completely surrendered. They say the victory's in the surrender. I am completely surrendered. If you'd have called me today and said, hey, man, we're not doing the podcast, I would. Okay. Okay, right. Now, before, I'd been going, I cannot believe. You know, I, I set up this whole day just around this, and I was looking forward to working out right. afterwards, and all this kind of stuff. Hey, I can go do something else. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you're in this recovery. Mm-hmm. When were you like, I think I want to build cutting boards? <laughs> <laughs> it's called, I was bored one day during the shutdown because the band wasn't working right wasn't coaching everything else going on right and i said probably not selling insurance yeah not doing anything because i was lazy yeah um i had some scrap wood out in the garage and i started putting things together and i went hmm maybe i could cut make some cutting boards so i went to the store bought some wood made a few put them online she showed on Instagram, but I said, oh, those are really nice. Can you make me one? All right. So I ended up buying a table saw, a cheap table saw, and uh, I made a few, contacted you, contacted some other people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I haven't made another batch since then. Really? I was going to ask you, how many cutting boards have you made? I have not made. I've, I think I made a total of 30. And that was it. Now, I did some things for the band members um, for Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. little, they thought there were picks, like big giant picks. That's funny. I just looked like it was a tear. Yeah, it was a teardrop. Right. You know? And um, yeah, I haven't made another cotton board since then. <laughs> I got one left. <laughs> just because everything else is, it's, wood is expensive. Yeah, wood is expensive. Wood is, I mean, for me to charge as much money as I needed to to make cutting boards, you have to have a certain clientele for them to pay for it. And uh, I wasn't in that circle of clients. You know, um, I watch some of these guys online that make these, they're thousands of dollars, but they've got a, they got a brand, they've got a presence. And they can do that. All right. So walk me through there because, you know, I want to fast forward and we'll come back to this just because this show is about unlocking your potential. And the Mm -hmm. reason, you know, I called you up to do this is because you've done that. Mm -hmm. Like you've unlocked everything, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and sometimes you have to fall to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, And here we are. Yeah. And. So Bob was talking about how you need a certain type of clientele. You have that clientele now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, God directed me in the right way. And the reason why I believe that is because every day, and and I preface a little bit, when people are having issues, I ask them, how did you start your day? Yeah. How did you start your day? Did you start it full of ego or did you start it by surrendering? And bef- most, 99% of the times, before my feet hit the ground, before I pick up my phone, which is the devil, because it, it, it yeah. distracts you, before that happens, I surrender to God. I give everything to him. And I add a little tagline on there. I go, all right, God, my life is in your hands. Whatever happens today is on you, good or bad. It's all because of you. And I'll give you the praise for it. So I start my, my, my day like that, and I have to believe that my footsteps are ordered. So one thing leads to another. And as long as I don't try to put my hand on it, right. it'll go the way he wants it. Um, so I'm allowing him to order my footsteps. This last, those two big pieces that we talked about, um, I did it for a doctor's office. The guy that they originally hired to do just stopped showing up. 
my cousin, who's the painter and designer, uh, decorator, I should call her, she said, I know somebody, and turned me on to it, and there it is now I'm working with, uh, almost exclusively with an interior decorator, uh, Frances Treadway. Mm -hmm. uh, she gave me the opportunity, and she put me into a circle of clients that the economy does not affect. Yeah. A cutting board is a luxury. The economy will affect selling cutting boards. Yeah. How many people now or you know have rooms full of cutting boards that they're not selling? You know, cuz gas is $5 a gallon. You know, what are you going to do? Buy gas or are you going to buy a cutting board? But the the clientele and circle of people that I'm working for now, the economy doesn't affect them. Now, I'm a big believer in creating opportunities for yourself, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, a lot of times those opportunities don't turn into anything. Right. But if you create enough opportunities, one will. And that's where things begin to change, right? right? The other thing is when an opportunity presents itself, are you in a position to take advantage of that opportunity? Isn't that what luck is? That is what luck is. <laughs> That is exactly what luck is. So for you, uh -huh. you know, you started out with those cutting boards, but how did you start creating opportunities for yourself to put yourself in a position to take advantage of this opportunity presented yourself to? Uh, well, getting back to how did I start my day? Yeah. God created those opportunities for me. But I also believe one of these days I'm going to write a book. So nobody please steal this uh, No one's stealing it. People are lazy. Um, uh, how to get your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. If you ever notice ducks, when they're sitting down, they're scattered. Right. But what are they? What what is happening when they're moving? They're all in a row. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep moving. You can't sit down and do nothing. Right. You know, it's when you start just sitting there doing nothing. Nothing happens. But as long as you keep moving, you know. Uh, um, this one thing my wife says about me is, you know, I'm always doing something to make sure my family's taken care of. Uh, uh, my dad who raised me, um, he was a worker and he, he taught me to work. Um, so I worked. I did anything I had to do. I mean, I was in pest control for a year and a half. I hated that. It was gross, but I did it until I got my insurance license. Once I got my insurance license, I started making passive income which isn't always easy. I mean, I still have people call me. I've got that two call yeah. <laughs> I, well, That's right. Well, three people now. And three people call me in the last. You want to talk about making an opportunity? So a guy calls me about getting some health insurance for him and his daughter. Health, health insurance is expensive. Yeah. It's, it's almost a scam. It's so expensive. And um, I showed him an opportunity how he could save some money doing it. And then I made an opportunity for myself because I told him, I knew he was a younger fella with a ch daughter and he had no life insurance. So, and, you know, I don't necessarily think about how can I make more money is what happens to this guy? What happens to the daughter? If something happens to the dad, how's she going to be taken care of? You know, I want to make sure that she continues her lifestyle the way she's used to it in case something happens to her dad. Also, the way I, uh, I, I present life insurance to people is I can also show you how to make a tax-free stream of income using the proper life insurance program. Mm -hmm. And he's like, sign me up. When can we talk next week? Right. Opportunity. Yeah. Making an opportunity. You know, if people don't – if if – I don't tell people that I sell life insurance or health insurance. How do they know? If I don't tell people that I do woodworking, how do they know? Right. You know, it, when I was working here, I was always, I'm a CrossFit coach. Why don't you come check it out? I'm a CrossFit yeah, coach. Come check absolutely. it out. You know, um, um, because I enjoyed watching people work out. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. I sat and watched some of the old CrossFit stuff yesterday. Mm -hmm. Guess what I want to do now? I want to compete again. 
No, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that ain't happening. Stop. Those those guys Stop. are those guys are that's what they do full time. I'm it's, done it's, too. It's, yeah, I'm done. I, in fact, I told you the other day when I started working out again, I I'm just not lifting heavy anymore. I just can't. I don't. I, Every time I think about like wanting to do some type of personal athletic feat, like mm-hmm. whether it's enter a track meet. Or oh yeah, we were gonna do that a while right, back. Remember, right. you know, and I've gotten close <laughs> a handful of times. Um, but like doing that, or you know, a new crosser competition, or like a powerlifting competition, or yeah. whatever. You know, I'm just not into that anymore. Right. Like I'm not into like personal athletic feats anymore. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I want to create, like spend my time and energy. Um, I mean, serving others. Yeah. Which will serve me personally. Right. 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 But like, I, it's not about me anymore. Right. What was that movie? Was it Brewster's Millions or something like that where he inherited all this money or could inherit this money as long as he didn't spend the money to make himself money, something like that? Right. You know, so he had to give the money away without mo- the right with the without the motivation right or the motivation to be in the right way yeah and and that's uh, you know that's what it is is you're going to be blessed if you're giving you can't whether you believe in god or not whether you believe in the bible or not you cannot use the principles of god and they not work right it's a universal law it's just what well, uh, uh, uh karma some people call it right you know whatever you sow you're going to reap so if you're blessing other people, you're going to get blessed back. Now, the problem with a lot of that is, is people want it right now. They want that blessing today. Well, look at me. Katrina was 2005. 2005. We worked for a year after that, year and a half after that. I was right there by that man's side. Did I, I was, 17 years later. Yeah, 17 years later, I'm doing woodworking. Am I making a living at it? No. But I'm making money at it. And... I'm creating artwork. I also, which I, we didn't talk about, I do what they call focal walls. Yeah, those, those are beautiful. Yeah, you yeah. You do a good job so, at that. <clears throat> um, you know, I was talking about that this weekend, uh, about my music degree. Mm-hmm. And like what I've done with it, nothing. <laughs> but um, it, it was a really hard degree to get. Music yeah. is a hard, hard, hard uh, discipline to graduate college in. Yeah. Um, and what it has done, though, is opened a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, why, while it hasn't been maybe directly tied to my profession, it has created opportunities for me, um, either through relationships or bonding or things like that, that have opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, it's just, you know... I, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Well, so that sparked something of thought in my head. You said, you know, what, how I made opportunities for myself. Yeah. I've done opportunity, made opportunities for myself because what I do, I do with all my heart. And I want it to be done right. I love that. Because, sure, I could have done that first piece, that built in that I did, and just threw it together and made my money and got out. But because I was so precise at it, and I wanted it to be perfect, which you can't be perfect, but I tried, and and you know striving for excellence, I guess they call it. Um, they wanted me to do the next piece, and now I've got two more pieces to do for that same doctor because they loved the work. They did a um, a grand opening a couple Friday nights ago, mm-hmm. and um, it was really nice. It was really nice. And that piece was a focal point. People talked about it. Created an opportunity because I put, I was uncomfortable. You know me, I'm not used to compliments. I'm not used to, I don't, they make me feel very uncomfortable. But something I learned from you, you probably don't remember this, long time ago was like, just say thank you. You were I giving me some that. kind of compliment yeah. and I was making an excuse and you say, hey, just say thank you. So that's what I've learned to do. And, uh, uh, I think you create opportunities when you do the right things. When you, if you're building something, for me and my understanding, I build it as unto God. Well, you know, it says everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. So I want to make him happy. You know, when I was cooking, I always would tell a lot of the younger guys, you need to cook like you were serving your mom. Would you give that to your mom? If you burned it, would you give that to your mom? Would you give that to your grandma? 
you know? Uh, and, and I always see God as my father. You know, the AA talks about the God of your understanding. I look at him as my father. I don't feel like I ever had a really good dad when I was growing up. And, and he revealed himself to me that way. I'm your father. So, uh, uh, he's the one teaching me like a good father is supposed to teach a son. He's teaching me how to live my life now because I was trying to do it for so long. I was terrible at it. I became a drunk, you know, I was an idiot. I'd, I'd want to fight all the time. You know, I wanted to tell people what to do. So the opportunity part comes in that just do what's right. It's interesting you said that. And, and I think about that a lot now because my son is going to be nine in September. Um, my daughter's four. And so when I do certain things, like I, I think to myself, would I be proud or not proud if my son or daughter knew about this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? right? It was terrible for me to sit down with my kids and tell them, hey, your dad's a drunk. How'd they thing. respond? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Kids, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my son, Kids. I apologized to him. So in, in the 12-step process, you were talking making amends, and uh, uh, you have to go to somebody. And, uh, for example, if I'd come to you, I'm, I'm look, man, this is what I did. I'm sorry. Right. What do I have to do to make amends? Right. A lot of people don't you get You do that. whatever they say, right? Yeah. The, a lot of things is I'm going to tell you what my amends is going to be. That don't work like that because now you're in control again. You have to be out of control. And um, I think that's a beautiful way. To oh, it's so it's it's a lot hard of in the beginning. Just like, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's hard in the beginning. But when I was sat down with my son and I told him everything I'd done, almost everything I'd done, it, when you, you don't always tell everything. You don't need to. Right. But I, I explained to him everything. And uh, I said, I asked him, you know, how do you feel about that? Is there anything you want me to do? He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, no, man, you're supposed to beat me up. You're supposed to cuss at me. You're supposed to punch me in the face and say things. And and but that's what I expected because that's what I was doing to myself at the same at this time. You were still a good dad. Yeah, um, no doubt, no doubt. But what I've learned here to do lately, and I, I shared this with somebody at church yesterday, you have to forgive yourself. And that was a hard spot for me to do. What I've done, whether I believed it or not, I just started saying, I forgive myself. You I can't forgive beat myself. yourself up forever. I forgive myself, whether I believed it or not. Right. And I just kept saying it. I'm at the point now where I pretty much forgave myself. Some, th some things still come up in my head. And when they do, I go, God, I don't want to think about that, God. I forgive myself. And it's... Um, Somebody told me the other day, go, man, you really look happy. You look peaceful. You look I said, relaxed. I have never been at peace like I am right now. It's the most peaceful part. I used to do Tai Chi a long time ago, and I can remember the peace I had then, but it was just a physical peace. I'm at spiritual peace now, and it's hard to understand. I can't explain it. It's unexplainable. Bible calls it joy un unexplainable and full of glory. I, I I can tell you how to get there, but I can't tell you how I feel other than it's just peaceful. And I think it comes into my woodworking because I'm working by myself at home. I've got a my computer in my shop, which is my garage. I'll put on a podcast. Mm -hmm. I'll put on preaching. I'll put on blues music. I'll put on uh, uh, gospel music. I'll put on reggae, whatever I feel like that day, and I just work. And I'm at peace. And I think God uses that and gives me opportunity because I present myself to people that way. Um, you, <laughs> I tell people, they go, how did you do that? I said, honestly, most of the time I just pulled up a chair in front of the wood, I go, all right, God, I don't know what to do next. You're going to have to show me. And as a good father, he shows me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. And, um, you know, it's it, it's like meditation, right? Like it's it's having the ability to just stop and think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do nothing yeah. else. That's it. Just think. Or uh, not think. Or not think. Just it doesn't matter. Just letting be it go. Right there. Just letting it go. Uh, you know, I was... Few weeks ago, um, because I feel like I am, I am 
on the precipice of being in a position where my life feels calm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't felt calm for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been working on a lot of things at the same time. Yeah. Um, and now I'm putting myself in a position to where life can slow down. Mm-hmm. And things can start to fall into place. And this this past weekend, I felt completely at peace with the world. It was mm-hmm. super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but I remember, and this sticks in the back of my head. Um, I was walking to Jazz Fest with my aunt and my two kids. And she was like, Bradley, do you are you in a rush to go everywhere? Like, why are you in such a hurry mm-hmm. to be everywhere? And it was almost like a reflection of my brain. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like <sighs> one chaos. of the one of the things that um, I remember from rehab, my seven week stint in a two week program. Mm-hmm. The therapist there said, "Bob, you you can't walk slow, can you?" I'm like, no. What's the point? He goes, "When you go home this weekend, because I had a weekend off." He says, "I just want you to walk in your neighborhood slow." You know, Irvin Back, uh, not Irvin Baxter, um, John Maxwell says, you know, learn to walk slowly through the crowd. Because if you walk so fast, you're missing opportunities. Right. You're missing an opportunity to talk to people and say hello and, you know, uh, um, and you create that environment. So you have to learn to walk slowly through the crowd. I love that. You know? Well, it's almost like walking slowly through life. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, if you try to rush it, you're going to miss a lot. When you rush things, you're playing God. And I looked at that in the past. Like I, I, my, so much of my life was spent looking towards the future that I wasn't living in the present. Yeah. What did I just write down? In the moment. In the moment. Yeah. And I still, I still struggle with I that. I struggle with that too. And I think a lot of us that are creative are pushing the boundaries yeah. on creativity. We're very type A also. Yeah, yeah, we are. And so, you know, we're... We're looking at like a carrot, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. My it's- my granny taught me a long time ago, and this it's a reference towards God about living for God. But it, it but it makes total sense. You work like He's never coming, and you live like He's coming tomorrow. So you know, I I I have to work to look at. How am I going to provide for my family and make sure that they Because the Bible says that you, uh, 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 how's it go? It, I'll paraphrase, that you're supposed to make sure that your kids' kids are taken care of. Well, how do you make sure that your kids, in other words, your grandkids, well, you got to prepare your kids. If you teach your kids right, then they'll teach their kids right. So, you know, if I've got to make sure that I'm doing everything to give the best opportunity for my children or teach them how to create opportunities for themselves. And um, uh, so that carrot in front of me always pushes me there. But looking in the behind me and knowing that, man, God's really been blessing me. And then being in the moment, that's a tough spot to be, man. How, how do you... I'm still learning how to be in the moment, although I think Get I'm learning. Get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I left mine over there. But I started by a cell phone, y'all. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, that's my next phase that I'm really focusing on is being in the moment. And I think that's what woodworking does. I get so caught up in just that moment, looking at that one little piece of wood and how do I fit those two pieces together so when you run your finger over it, you don't know there's two pieces there, you know? Being in that moment, and um, I think it's just you have to slow down. You have to be still. You know, the Bible says, be still. And um, that's where I'm heading to now. I kind of want it there because I think that's perfect. Um, You know, my big takeaway from all of this would be in order to unlock your potential. Mm -hmm. You have to live in that moment, be Mm -hmm. present in it, um, and experience it fully. Yeah. And start your day off right. Yeah. So, um, wait, before we go, I got, I got to give, uh, Bradley the, uh, first inaugural 
First person I've given a shirt oh, to. Oh, I like I'm, wear, I'm wearing this. So, uh, yeah. Black Appreciate Swan. it. Yeah. Black Swan Creations. I'm in. Yeah. I'm wearing this proudly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, that is where you can find. On Instagram. It's Black it's, Swan Woodworking, right? Yeah, it's Black Swan Woodworking because Creations was taken now, already. I imagine this is, if you're interested in a piece from Bobby, you have to be pretty local, right? Yeah. 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 So local to the New Orleans area region um, or set up delivery. Yeah. That's it. But do you have a waiting list or? Actually, right now I'm about two months out. Two months out. Yeah. Um, Is there any, I mean, you could do anything or is there anything particular that you. I like to do focal walls, meaning uh, just go online and look yeah, up you can focal see, walls. see his current yeah. stuff. Or you can look up focal walls. What I tell people all the time is they go, hey, can you do some work for me? Sure. Send me a picture. Yeah. Go on Pinterest, go on Etsy, whatever, and go look and see what you design you like, and I'll either replicate it or we'll modify it for that. Um, as far as furniture goes, mantles and uh, built-ins and things like that, it's just show me a picture. Right. Um, you can go on my Instagram. That's, that's the only place I am. Um, then you can DM me there and we'll talk. All right. All right, Bob, thanks for doing this. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Potential Unlocked. Bye, y'all.